It is the Healthy Families Podcast, and I'm your host, Jenny Hatch. Today I'm going to be talking about meme culture. Memes have been such a huge part of my world, really, ever since I was a kid. If you think of a political cartoon as a meme, and it is, um, I have enjoyed political commentary through artistry my whole life. I used to just love reading the Sunday comics and... The political cartoons were great, but I also love the strips. You know, my, I think my favorite of all time is Far Side, and uh, the the humor never stops there. And then I loved Bloom County, and even though it was crafted by a, a lefty, he just was so funny with these commentaries he had on politics. Um, I bought some of those old Bloom County anthems and and would read it like a book. So funny. My favorite character was Opus the eternal optimist of Bloom County. And of course, Bill the Cat, which if you remember Bill back in the day, he ran for president. And at some point he realized that he had to have something special to kind of separate him from the crowd. And um, he bought a toupee that made him look like Trump. <laughs> this is back in the 80s. Bill the Cat looking like Donald Trump while he's running for president. Talk about predictive programming. Anyway, my friend saw memes. She's one of my best friends on the internet. She came up with this meme the other day of Joe Biden. He was coughing while he gave a speech. And she had these little Pepe the Frogs jump out of his mouth because he talked about how he had a frog in his throat. She's so freaking creative. It just cracks me up. You can listen to the sound, but you need to go find it and actually watch, watch Pepe dancing on the lectern. It's just hilarious. As far as, uh, thank you for your leadership at the conference. Excuse me, I got a little frog in my throat. We are going to make And Andy, thank you for that introduction. Great again. You know, uh, it's wonderful to finally welcome all of you to the White House. After not being able to be here So she's got these three little Pepe frogs dancing on the lectern while he gives his speech. It's just so funny. It slays me. Anyway, go look at her stuff on Twitter and on YouTube. She's just able to capture the funny amidst all of the badness. And um, that's been a gift for me over the years because I I sometimes get demoralized. Uh, so much of my work covers the dark sides of humanity, the, the sick underbelly of um, festering swamp madness in the form of child trafficking and the torture and uh, killing of children. And, you know, I do a lot of reading of um, testimonials from people who've been tortured. And this, you know, there's just no easy way to um, process this content without it affecting you. It affects your mind. It affects your spirit. Um, it definitely pulls me down. And um, I've sort of forced myself to stick with it as a journalist, because I feel like it is so important for the people who are being trafficked today, right now, that we continue speaking out and exposing. And so I plan to continue on, but it is difficult to do this work. And I've been healing some of my own trauma as I've done this work. So it's, it's not only, you know, trying to help, but it's also uh, confronting my dark past and trying to heal that. And those two are compatible. I found it very 
therapeutic to try to help other people while I've healed my own madness. But I, um, I've used the memes to kind of help balance out my own spirit, my own uh, feelings of, of being disturbed by the things I fill my mind with. And there are many days when I just turn it all off and do something completely different. Mostly I go out in my kitchen and I cook and I turn on my music and listen to uplifting music from musical theater and from the great masterworks, Messiah especially. But um, I try to change the frequency of what's going on in my in my heart. And every night I study the scriptures with my husband. We read a chapter of the Bible. We're, we're in the book of Luke right now in the New Testament. And we're also studying uh, the Book of Mormon every night in Dutch. She's teaching me Dutch. So I have a little lesson in how to speak Dutch using the Book of Mormon as the text. And then we sing a Dutch hymn together from the hymn book. And that helps me to kind of start learning the language. We're hoping to go serve a mission for our church at some point. Paul served in the Netherlands when he was a young man for two years. He was in Amsterdam and various places around Holland for two years, really grew to love the Dutch people and the language. And so together we have a hope of going back to Holland and serving as a couple. And so we're working now to get ready for that by doing a daily lesson. So I do fill my mind with the um, spiritual things that are found in the scriptures. And Paul's always sharing with me what he learned on his favorite podcasts. He loves the Unshaken podcast. He watches it faithfully. And um, there's always lots to share around that. And I do try to fill my mind with uplifting movies and documentaries and books. Uh, I just watched a documentary yesterday, yesterday about Laura Ingalls and her daughter, Rose Wilder Lane, who was the ghostwriter of the Little House books. And watch that documentary. It was excellent. And so it's not like I spend 24-7 uh, thinking about human trafficking. I can't. It's it's too dark. But I do devote a couple of hours a day to this cause and trying to help um, expose and give people a voice. I put out an offer to the survivor community, especially in Utah, to come on my podcast and share their stories. And I've made it very clear that I'm interested in talking to people who've been identified as perpetrators, as well as victims, with the deep understanding that those who go on to perpetrate against children are often child victims themselves. And while I can separate the sin from the sinner, and say that, you know, these crimes that perhaps they committed in the past or they're currently committing against children are heinous and they should be held accountable for those crimes up to and including being imprisoned or even given the death penalty, depending on the level of evil. I can still look at these perpetrators with a bit of compassion, big heartedness. And say to myself, you know, there but for the grace of God, I could be you. I don't know what happens to a person when they go from being a victim to being 
a perpetrator. I do think there's some free will involved that at some line of demarcation, a person says, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be this person. And they, they stay true to that. And then there are others who I think they don't feel like they are in control of their bodies or their minds. And they are just uh, doing what they ha feel like they have to do. When you read the victim state statements tied to the Utah abuse case, and these are embedded on my blog, healthyfamilies.life, in the post at the top of the page called No More Secrets. When you start to read the victim statements and understand how, as children, these people were tortured into committing the most heinous crimes, up to and including murder, and if they did not participate, if they did not do what was being required, they would be severely beaten and tortured and raped until they complied. If they tried to run away, they were very quickly rounded up and brought back and made to believe that you have no choice in this. And so it, it does uh, broaden the heartfelt feelings I have for them as children being trained often by their own parents and grandparents and the adults in their lives to do these things, to desensitize them and deaden them and get them into a place where they can comfortably perpetrate themselves. But they're tortured souls. No question they are tortured in their thinking and in their behavior. And so I have compassion for them. And I put out the call. Hey, I'll talk to anybody who has a story and wants to come share it. I put this out on my Substack last week saying, hey, if you want to talk to me, come let me know. I'd love to talk to you. I made a phone call to one of the gals who's identified as one of the worst perpetrators who's never been arrested, never held accountable for her crimes. I left a message on her answering machine. Hey, give me a call. Roselle, Rosie, I'd love to talk to you. Come tell your story. She has to have a story. They all do. And I was sincere in that. I want to hear her story. Everybody's got their story. I've shared my story multiple times here on Colin and other spaces letting people know what happened to me as a kid. I don't really feel the need to revisit that, except to say I understand how it feels to be bullied, coerced, pushed into doing things you don't want to do. And my initiation into the cult that my family belonged to, my parents belonged to in Detroit, included me committing a serious crime as a seven-year-old. And how you know you have successfully completed your initiation into one of these cults is the next day after you commit the crime, they have spotters in the form of public school teachers, family members, and others who will report back and say what happened, 
but they're watching for outward signs of distress. And if the kid melts down into nervous disorder and panic and they can't process and they're not sleeping and they're peeing themselves and it's just a mess, they don't want that person in their cult. They want the kid who can participate in something like what I was compelled to do, who gets up the next morning and goes to school and continues with life seemingly unaffected by what happened the day before. Those are the people they want because it means that the child has completely dissociated away from what just happened, compartmentalized the event deep in their mind, and they're good to go. All right, I'll get up and face another day. And that was the case with me. And so uh, I became very valuable to them. Now, those like my, my older brother, who experienced similar traumas, who was never able to compartmentalize it away, always had serious, obvious issues and was often in an altered state, whether because he was using drugs and alcohol or because he was just off in la-la land, not thinking clearly. And every time you confront him with some other crime he committed, he would say the same thing. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember doing that. And it, when I was a kid, I was like, I just saw you do it. You know, what are you saying you don't remember? But that was his response whenever he was confronted. I don't remember doing that. And as I've learned more about memory and the brain and how our minds work to protect us, uh, I now I believe him. He did. He honestly did not remember when he committed certain crimes. He was acting almost like a robot, just acting out and deprived of some of his free will. I won't say all of it because I think we all have some measure of control over our bodies and our our souls. But it can feel when you're caught up in this thing as if you have no free will and no power. And I'm sympathetic to anybody who, you know, perhaps they find themselves at a ritual with, you know, everybody in a circle chanting and they're like, how did I get here? And they have no memory of, you know, being transported and they're there and they're participating and all of a sudden they're awake and it's like, what the heck? I think that happens to a lot of people. And so I am interested in talking to those who have survived to adulthood. And if you're alive, that means you've survived. You're a survivor. You made it through these ups and downs of ritual torture and you've lived to see the, you know, the other side of it. You're still here. You're listening to my podcast going, Hmm, can I share my story? Will I be killed if I talk? This is the ultimate threat that most of us are working under that if we don't shut up, somebody's going to come along and, and kill us. And those are not idle threats. That happens. There's there's definitely a group of people all over the world, but concentrated in certain areas, who are afraid if they say one word, they're going to be killed, 
or their spouse will be killed or one of their kids or grandkids or, you know. And so they stay silent because they have been terrorized. Now, one of the things I'm the most excited about with the developments we're seeing about more information coming out from um, various sources, it's not just American sources or American journalists, it's increasingly from other sources, is that some of this is being exposed, these tactics and techniques. And I find the timing of certain things so interesting that when the young gals in Utah who decided to go and report what happened to them to the police marched into the Provo Police Department in Utah. Uh, 2012 and 20 to 2014 was a significant time in the world's history when there was a major coup going down in Ukraine and American interests, global interests, took over that beleaguered country, set up their own puppet and continued on with all of the criminality that's now being reported. And in 2014, that was when the, the wheels really came off the bus in terms of the scriptures call it being drunken with iniquity, that these people in the end times, they will be drunk with their own iniquity. And man, we're seeing that, you know, so many of them are just drunk with power and the money and their, um, you know, ability to procure the people they need in order to do their evil um, without even worrying for one second that they would be caught and held accountable. And this started to flip when President Trump came into power. Listen to what he said last night. Joe Biden claims to support American <coughs> manufacturing, but in reality, he's pushing the same pro-China globalist agenda that ripped the industrial heart out of our country. It ripped us apart. Biden and the globalists support raising taxes on American production. They support more crippling regulations, killing American jobs. They support skyrocketing domestic energy costs. And they support massive anti-American multinational agreements that send our wealth and factories overseas. Very simply, the Biden agenda taxes America to build up China. China is the big beneficiary. We cannot let that happen. And just a couple of years ago, it wasn't happening. China paid to the United States hundreds of billions of dollars, and no other president got 10 cents legitimately 10 cents from China. My agenda will tax China to build up America. The heart of my vision is a sweeping pro-American overhaul of our tax and trade policy to move from the Biden system that punishes domestic producers and rewards outsourcers to a system that rewards domestic production and taxes foreign companies and those who export American jobs. They will be rewarded and rewarded greatly, and our country will benefit. To achieve this goal, we will phase in a system of universal baseline tariffs on most foreign products. On top of this, higher tariffs will increase incrementally depending on how much individual foreign countries devalue their currency. 
They devalue their currency to take advantage of the United States, and they subsidize their industries or otherwise engage in trade cheating and abuse. And they do it now like never before. And we had it largely stopped, and it was going to be stopped completely within less than a year. As tariffs on foreign producers go up, taxes on American producers will go down and go down very substantially. And that means a lot of jobs coming in. Not only will this system end our gaping trade deficits, and they are massive right now, and bring back millions of American jobs, it will also bring trillions and trillions of dollars pouring into the United States Treasury from foreign countries that allow us to invest that money in American workers, American families, and American communities. This plan will be the linchpin of a new strategic national manufacturing initiative that builds on my historic success in ending NAFTA, which was a tremendous thing, a tremendous achievement. Nobody thought it could be done. And we did USMCA, US, Mexico, Canada, and it was an incredible thing. But we're also going to end other unfair trade deals and we'll end them quickly. In addition, as a matter of both economic and national security, I will implement a bold series of reforms to completely eliminate dependence on China in all critical areas. We will revoke China's most favored nation trade status and adopt a four-year plan to phase out all Chinese imports of essential goods, everything from electronics to steel to pharmaceuticals. This will include strong protections to ensure China cannot circumvent restrictions by passing goods through conduit countries, countries that don't make a product, but all of a sudden they're selling a lot of product. It comes right through China, right out of China, and right into our country. We will also adopt new rules to stop U.S. companies from pouring investments into China and to stop China from buying up America, allowing all of those investments that clearly serve American interests. We're not going to allow bad things to happen to our country anymore. And we will eliminate federal contracts for any company that outsources to China. Biden will never get the job done. He is weak on China because the corrupt Biden family has received millions and millions of dollars from entities tied to the Chinese Communist Party. Everybody knows that. They try and hide it, and the fake news doesn't want to talk about it. Biden's pro-China economic program puts America last, and it's killing our country. My cutting-edge trade agenda will revitalize our economy by once again putting America first. And by the way, we'll get along very well with China. And you know what the reason is? They'll respect us again like they did just two years ago. We will quickly become a manufacturing powerhouse like the world has never seen before. Daniel has a vision where he sees four beasts representing the kingdoms of men. He sees the Ancient of Days, who is Adam, to whom the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, will come, and then the kingdom will be given to the saints forever. So it says that Daniel, who was a prophet, had a dream, and he had visions of his head upon his bed, and he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. And he spake, and he said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens drove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. 
I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth, and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it, between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth, and it devoured and brake in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the other beasts, all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes, like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. I won't finish the chapter. You can click over there and read the rest of it. Again, that's Daniel chapter 7 in the Old Testament. I've often asked myself, what was that little horn that Daniel spoke of? What does that look like? What was the purpose of that little horn? And what does it represent now? And I came up with my own theory and I shared it on my blog in 2005. And my theory was that the little horn that was stamping the residue with its feet was in fact the pharmaceutical companies and all of their offshoots that controlled the people and tried to destroy them. And it says it stamped the re residue, stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was different from the other beasts. And when you think about what's just happened, especially to people who are already sick, the elderly, the disabled, uh, just getting that one COVID shot killed many people. And there are so many others who, previous cancer survivors who were doing well, were completely in remission. Their cancers came back with a vengeance and tumors are exploding and the bodies of the people are overwhelmed with sickness. And it, it's also prophesied that in the last days, men's hearts would fail them and they would look up and curse God and die. And there's so many people right now keeling over dead with heart attack. And you think about all this destruction and what, what is going on? What's it for? Well, we're in a war. And the final war, I believe the final war is not being fought with guns and bombs and nukes. It's being fought between natural healing, natural family living, and those who would drug 
and cut, surgically cut, all of the illnesses away using just drugs and surgery and all of the corporations tied to that. And you have the poor of the earth and they're, they're demanding health care, demanding free health care. They want their drugs and surgery paid for by the government. And it's like, nobody can hand you good health on a silver platter, especially when you have these entities making you sick with every shot, with every drug. And when does it stop? When does it stop? Well, I believe there are forces in play now pushing back hard enough to topple this Babylonian plague, this Babylonian system. And it's so exciting, I can hardly stand it. Every day I get on Twitter and I look to see if the Fauci files have dropped yet. There's been lots of uh, foreshadowing going on, especially on Elon Musk's Twitter, but other places too, that there is this big bombshell that's coming that's going to rock everybody's world with what was happening on Twitter in regards to Dr. Anthony Fauci. And I can't wait. Expose, 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 get it out there. Hold them accountable for what they've done. I think what slays me the most is just the brazenness of them crafting the AIDS virus in a lab, hoisting it on humanity through the hepatitis B vaccine, standing back watching all these people sicken and die. These, these vaccines have just gutted certain places in Africa. So many people have died from AIDS. And then the same people, oh, we gave you this problem. We're here to save the day with the new AIDS vaccine. We're going to fix it with more, more layers of toxicity. And there is an AIDS component in the COVID shot. This is something I learned from Dr. Leonard Horowitz when I read his book and I had him on my radio show. And he talked about how they have put an AIDS envelope, he called it, spliced it into the virus. It's there. So many people are coming down with AIDS symptoms, acquired immune deficiency syndrome, a virus, after getting the vaccine. Again, another layer of toxicity coming from these shots. And it just needs to stop. All of it needs to stop. And humanity as a whole stand up and say, enough. This is going, this is not going any farther. This will stop here. And we will hold all of those who did this accountable for their many, many crimes. And we will go on and live peaceably with each other. You know, there is nothing that grinds the poor and stamps them under the feet like inflation. People who are living on fixed incomes, people who are just barely making it, oh, all of a sudden the cost of your food doubles. Your rent goes up. Your interest rate goes up on your car, your house, anything you own. And you have all of these people going, what do I do? Well, many of them starve because they can't, they can't pay their bills, can't make it. That's stamping the residue because the inflation is being done on purpose.
the economic policies of Joe Biden have caused this inflation. In many ways, they want you to stay home and never go anywhere in your car. They want you fixed to your television, your computer, your phone at home, gathering up all of their media while they collect your data points and goading you to consume, consume, consume. They don't want you going anywhere. And so they jack up the gas prices, double, triple, quadruple, and you can't even afford to to go to work or church, much less go on a trip or visit a friend. That's what they want. You at home, basically on house arrest, doing what you have to do to survive. And uh, and they get to enjoy their their jet set lifestyle. And it just it just needs to stop. So thank you for stopping by. This is my show today. I came here to celebrate meme culture and share a few thoughts on World War III. Uh, It's been prophesied that we win. Health wins. Healthy families win this war. And the Babylonian whore of the earth. I love John the the Revelator's language because he doesn't mince words. This is a whore, a prostitute that's about to fall. And uh, great shall be the fall thereof. So I'm very excited. I'm wondering if the Fauci files are going to tip the scales towards the fall. And the Bible, it says the fall is going to happen in one day and even one hour. Babylon is going to fall. I wonder if we're there. If it happens, I'm going to be dancing. Be dancing in my kitchen. Go out on the lawn, dance on the lawn. This is something to celebrate. And uh, I'm there for it. So thank you again for stopping by. I hope you are having a wonderful day.